Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. I'm Alicia here. Great to have you back. I'm joined by guests to talk about something I know very little about, but he knows a lot about. Welcome to the podcast, Trevor Sullivan. Hi. Thanks for having me, Simon. Good to have you here. Now, Trevor is a territory-based solution architect here at AWS and also is a big fan of PowerShell. Now, Trevor, you came up to me and said, Simon, I want to talk on the podcast about PowerShell and AWS, and I'm like, PowerShell. I mean, I, I love me my AWS CLI. I'm all about the CLI. Um, but you're all about PowerShell. So before we get into that, maybe tell us about how you got to the world of PowerShell and, and what that means in the Windows ecosystem. Yeah, so it's early 2018 now, and I've been writing PowerShell almost since the beginning of when it came out back in 2006. So uh, somewhere just shy of 12 years, probably. And you know, I've been very Microsoft-centric throughout a significant portion of my IT career. And, um, you know, I used to write VBScript early on, doing things like Active Directory automation and Windows automation and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, PowerShell kind of came out of nowhere in 2006. And uh, that kind of opened my eyes to the .NET framework uh, because PowerShell is built on .NET. And that kind of led me actually to learning the C-sharp language afterwards. But, you know, PowerShell was this kind of task-oriented, object-oriented shell that just really had a lot of powerful capabilities, especially when it comes to the element of discoverability that simply wasn't available in uh, languages like VBScript or the uh, very basic uh, traditional command shell that's in the Windows platform. So, so maybe then let's start from the the basics from an, uh, an AWS perspective. What is available for Windows PowerShell from AWS? And then let's talk about some of the, the cool stuff you can do. Yeah, so we've got two different modules available. Uh, there are two different editions of PowerShell available. So anybody who's kind of breaking into PowerShell for the first time should be aware that PowerShell from 2006 all the way up through August of 2016 was a Windows exclusive shell. And there were actually some open source attempts to kind of implement PowerShell functionality on non-Windows operating systems, but it was never officially supported and it was no, it never really kind of got fully fleshed out. So uh, in August of 2016, Microsoft actually um, announced PowerShell Core Edition. So there's now PowerShell Desktop Edition. That's called the, the Windows version of PowerShell. And then there's PowerShell Core Edition. And that's the version of PowerShell that runs natively on Mac, Linux, and Windows because it sits on top of the cross-platform .NET Core framework that uh, you know F# Sharp or C# Sharp developers would use to build cross-platform apps. So, um, so, so you got so you got a lot of power there that you can run not just if you've got a, a an all Windows server estate, you can also do stuff on Linux and other platforms. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we have, uh, we AWS have two different PowerShell modules available. One is for, one is compiled for the Windows version of .NET. So that runs on the PowerShell desktop edition. But then we have basically the equivalent functionality that's available on the PowerShell core edition. So we have out there in PowerShellGallery.com. That's the, the package repository for PowerShell modules. So we have the AWS PowerShell module and then the AWS PowerShell.NET core 
module. So uh, there's a common command that you would typically use to search for modules up in the PowerShell gallery called find module. So you'd run find module AWS star, and you'll see both of those modules show up in the list. And if you're on PowerShell core edition on you know Mac Linux or Windows for that matter, because there is actually a, a Windows version of PowerShell core that runs on .NET core instead of the full .NET framework, um, you know, you'll, you'll just install the .NET core version for PowerShell core and the regular one for Windows. Cool. And we'll put links in the show notes to all those things as well, as well as the uh, AWS sites you can get them from too. Now, let's step back then and say, okay, you know, I, I've used the, the, the AWS CLI for a long time. I'm comfortable with it. There's even stuff I can do without looking it up. Um, if, if I'm, why would I use PowerShell? What, what do I get, I guess, different, extra, and what can those extensions do from an AWS perspective? Yeah, there's really lots of different functionality that we could kind of focus in on. What I think one of the most important things to really talk about when we talk about PowerShell, though, from an automation perspective, is really the task-centric nature of PowerShell. And another key thing is the discoverability element of it. So if we start with kind of talking about the task-oriented nature of PowerShell, uh, every command that's exposed in a PowerShell module is typically by convention named verb dash noun. So I want to do something with something. And it actually really plays out really well in plain English. So when you're having, you know, conversations, it's like, hey, I'm going to go stop that EC2 instance, or I'm going to go invoke that Lambda function, right? And so these actually manifest themselves in different command names in PowerShell. So there's actually an invoke uh, Lambda function command. There's actually a stop EC2 instance command. And so, you know, then you start asking yourself, okay, well, which instance do I want to stop or which Lambda function do I want to invoke? And those are the parameters that you would then specify on the command. So a lot of people that are coming from a more CLI type of experience might be a little thrown off at first because it is very verbose, but at the same time, there are there is support for aliases. So you don't necessarily have to spell out command names if you don't want to. You don't have to spell out parameter names if you don't want to. But when you're writing code, writing long automation scripts that uh, you know perform advanced automation functions, you typically want to make sure that you're using that full command name, the full parameter name, make sure that you're using self-explanatory variable names, you know, just good coding practices to ensure that other developers who come along and share your code base are able to kind of interpret what your code is doing and uh, manipulate it accordingly. So that's kind of the task-oriented nature of it. Uh, something else I'll say to that uh, task-oriented nature is that if you think to the AWS CLI, you start off every AWS CLI command with AWS, right? So you say AWS, this is the platform I want to work with. Then you dig into the next level. The next sub command is going to be the service that you want to work with. And as you know, we've got some hundred services or maybe more than that today after reinvent. And um, so, so then you have to specify a third command, which is the actual command that you want to call within that service. But with PowerShell, you don't have to prefix everything with AWS and then the service name. Every single command is actually a first-class citizen inside of the PowerShell uh, kind of namespace. So stop EC2 instance is a you know globally available command that's exported by the AWS PowerShell module. So you don't have to worry about saying AWS and then EC2 or AWS and step functions. You don't have to worry about remembering you know which service it belongs to. You just think about the task that you want to accomplish. 
That's really nice and it becomes, I guess, very self-explanatory when it's uh, being shared amongst others because, of course, automation is only useful if you're sharing the code with other people to uh, take advantage of it. What about um, regions? So, you know, one of the things on the CLI you get used to pretty early is if you don't set your region right, you're going to be issuing commands and not seeing results where you thought they should be. How does uh, the PowerShell component tree handle regions? Yeah, so the region support in PowerShell is uh, object-oriented just like everything else. So there's a command called get AWS region that's exported by the AWS PowerShell module. And this is going to spit back an array of objects that represent regions. So each of the regions has a couple of different properties. One of them is the the short name, you know, the, the US-West2 or US or EU uh, West1. Uh, and then you also have the longer region name, things like Ohio or Ireland and things like that. So you get these rich objects that have all of the properties available. You basically just say, I want the region property or I want the name property to get the more proper name of the region. Uh, so it's a, it, all the data is there. You just kind of reference it uh, as an object. So it's it's pretty cool. You can just do a for each loop and iterate e- over each of those. So if you're doing kind of global automation, you have resources across all the different regions. It's very easy to just write a simple for each loop and just iterate over each region and then pass that region parameter into the uh, appropriate command. So all of the AWS PowerShell commands have a region parameter on them. Uh, so you can specify it on each invocation to one of the APIs, or just like with the AWS CLI, you can also set kind of your your global working region uh, if you tend to, you know, primarily or predominantly work inside of a single region. For sure. Uh, what about some of the things like uh, credential management and things like that? Obviously, there's some different approaches you can take uh, in the CLI with profiles, et cetera. What's, is there an analog in, in the PowerShell world? Yeah, one of the things I really appreciate about all of the AWS SDKs is how consistent they are with respect to how they handle credentials. Uh, the .NET SDK does have uh, an additional encrypted credential uh, solution on top of the typical profiles that you're accustomed to. Uh, but in general, most of the SDKs pretty much all work the same, whether it's Python or Java or uh, PowerShell in this case. And so it does have support for the credentials file. Uh, now, by default, of course, it is going to look in your, dot AW, your your home directory under .aws slash credentials. But if you have a different file path, maybe a custom path, file system path to your credentials file, you can also specify that using the set AWS credentials command. Um, and you basically just tell it where the file path is and then what the name of the profile is. So that any structure is going to be consistent across all of the SDKs. Really appreciate that. But again, if you want to store the access key ID and access secret, or if you have the, if you're using the STS service, the session token service, you can also specify that additional third uh, session token parameter in any of the API calls as well. So there's, I think, three or four different ways that you can configure your credentials. Um, so there's a lot of flexibility there. That sounds, sounds very familiar to me. So, so two questions for you. The first is if, if you've got someone who's new to Pow- or PowerShell or, or you know, maybe not super experienced in PowerShell and, and new to AWS, how should they get started? And then the second question is for an absolute PowerShell ninja, what should they know? So let's start with the basics. If, I, if I'm new, like me, uh, to this world, what do I need to know? What should I be aware of? 
Yeah. So first of all, just be aware that there are the two different editions of PowerShell cross-platform and the Windows exclusive desktop version. Um, but what's cool about PowerShell is that um, with this kind of converging world that we have in technology where you've got you know Microsoft implementing containers both on Windows Server natively as well as Linux containers running on Windows, one of the, one of the coolest ways that I find to learn new languages, like right now I'm trying to learn a lot about JavaScript and some other languages that are less familiar to me, and one of the ways that I really do that is to simply grab a container image that's relevant. So Microsoft actually provides a Linux-based uh, container image for PowerShell that's always kept up to date. Uh, so they have a Docker file out there that builds every time that they do a, a new release. They're not quite at 1.0 yet, but they're they're on like RC2 or something for for PowerShell core. So just grab that container image, um, you know, use PowerShell as an interactive shell, you know, create scripts inside of that environment and, and run them and see what happens. Um, you can install modules into those containers. So you can install the AWS PowerShell directly into there. Uh, you can probably not good to suggest this, but you could embed your credentials in there. And um, no, <laughs> and, uh, never do that. <laughs> no, not, not, not for, not for production workloads, but you know, for, for local testing on a singleton container, it's, it's not quite such a big deal. It's uh, let's just put it this way. It's no worse than really putting your credentials on your local file system. Um, Cause ultimately it's just getting wrapped inside of a container image layer at the end of the day. But um, you know, just you can play around with the AWS PowerShell module directly from there. And once you feel comfortable with it, you know, go ahead and just install PowerShell on your uh, preferred workstation. Uh, for Amazon, I use a MacBook and I do run PowerShell natively. I use iTerm2 and PowerShell is my default shell that fires up with iTerm2. Um, I haven't changed it in the, the OS. I haven't done the change shell in the OS to actually change the default shell for Mac OS to PowerShell because I'm not sure what else that might break in terms of the operating system. But, um, you know, I do, when I fire up iTerm, you know, I automatically have the AWS PowerShell module available to me and I'm good, just good to go. So I, I use that on almost a daily basis. Another key thing I'd say for beginners is to download Visual Studio Code. I absolutely love Visual Studio Code as a editor for virtually any language. It has incredibly powerful text processing capabilities. Um, the PowerShell extension for it is a little on the buggy side. It does crash pretty regularly. But as long as you are, you know, running your automation scripts in, you know, let's say like iTerm or something, and you're using Visual Studio Code kind of as a source code control tool, and you're using it to kind of author your automation scripts, it works really, really well for that. Um, I love the theming capabilities it has. I love the you know, the, the customization, like tabs or spaces, you could get into a whole, whole wars over that. Um, and, but, but it's, it's just a really great all around text editor. Um, I know there's some other popular ones out there like Atom editor and what have you, but, um, I've just learned to love VS code. I use it on Mac almost every day again for things like cloud formation templates and PowerShell scripts and more recently JavaScript. And it's actually built on the Electron API, which is a, a UI uh, API from GitHub. So, um, yeah, Microsoft is fully embracing the whole open source world. Fantastic. And if you're a absolute gun in using PowerShell, use it every day, what would your black belt tip be? Well, I would say uh, you're in good hands. The AWS PowerShell module is going to be pretty familiar to you. Uh, in general, it follows pretty good 
PowerShell design guidelines. There's a couple of patterns you might find that are somewhat unfamiliar to use cases where you have to manually construct objects that you have to pass into different command parameters. Um, but there's, there's pretty good documentation out there. Uh, the built-in PowerShell help, that's actually a whole topic you could get into is just the built-in PowerShell help system. Uh, we do provide those built-in documents. So you can just do the get help command on any of the three plus thousand commands that are in that AWS PowerShell module, and it'll show you how to actually call each of those commands. So it's very similar to man pages, just uh, it's a PowerShell help system. So um, yeah, in general, it's it's pretty consistent with PowerShell design guidelines, and we're, we're constantly looking for ways to improve it. Um, one of the really cool things that you can do with PowerShell as well for more advanced users is you can actually create your own custom IntelliSense handlers. And what this allows you to do is, let, let's say you're going to call a command like invoke LM function for invoke Lambda function. Um, you know, maybe you have 100 or 200 different Lambda functions and you don't exactly remember the names of all your Lambda functions, but maybe you remember like three or four unique characters of the one you want to call. Uh, and what you can do is you can actually register these custom IntelliSense handlers in PowerShell. There's a really powerful command called register argument completer that's just built into native PowerShell. And it allows you to basically go out to AWS, query for a list of all your Lambda functions. You could do a regular expression match based on what you've typed so far inside of the console. And you can actually just tab complete, uh, very similar to some of the tab completion that's offered now for the CLI uh, and and it's it's actually giving you those real time results directly inside of your shell. So you know if you add another function, that's going to start showing up in your autocomplete list. It's a really powerful capability that PowerShell handles really really well, and it's really easy to write your own custom handlers for that. So PowerShell ninjas, go do that. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. That's important in a changing, growing uh, development environment. You want that real time search capability. That's very nifty. Absolutely. And that functionality is really critical for especially like operations people. So, um, you know, if somebody's investigating some kind of security incident and they need to, you know, correlate some instance ID to some logs, you know, they can just very quickly kind of navigate to that instance ID just based off of a couple of key characters rather than having to, you know, copy and paste and screw it up and then go back and copy and paste it again. You know, it just it's a really tiny but very meaningful workflow enhancement for a lot of different roles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Big fan of completion. Uh, Trevor, thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, telling us all about it. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Simon. Enjoy. Good to have you here. Thanks uh, everyone for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.